Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. Welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Black Card Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how much Christmas music have you been listening to? I've been listening to Christmas music since the minute Holly, or Halloween ended. And honestly, it was a little bit before that because my wife kept playing Monster Mash so many times for the trick-or-treaters that I finally switched it over to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You uh, once I got tired of it. So it's been quite a long time. A little bit before, does that qualify as July for you? Because I know you're one that busts out Christmas in July. I love Christmas in July, and I am one that, like, if I'm in a mood where I'm, like, sad or angry or I need to calm down, I will put on Bing Crosby Christmas, and I will just indulge, and it calms me down, and it gets me very excited. I mean, it's it's hard to not get soothed by Christmas music. Also, there's the people's champ, David Johnson champ. Do you have any hot Christmas music takes? I do not. I'm not a Christmas music guy as I am the lone Jew on this show, so I don't listen to a lot of Christmas music. I do celebrate the holiday with my father's side of the family, though, so I'm not a complete non-Christmas fan. I mean, I like the gifts. I like the honey ham that my aunt makes every year. Those are always good. So. Gotta love honey ham. Having honey ham at a Thanksgiving potluck at work tomorrow. Guys... Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Reminder to subscribe to the Black Heart Gold Pants podcast feed wherever you guys get your podcasts. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever we are there. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. You guys, we have our contest going for those people on the Apple podcast platform. Leave a five-star rating and a screenshot that you have subscribed with a review that consists of a movie quote that you are using to uh, preview the basketball season for the men's basketball team. We will choose the best one and give a Amazon Echo Dot to the winner. We have one more week, and we will announce the winner on next week's show. Uh, Again, guys, leave those reviews on the Apple Podcast Store and tweet. take a screenshot and tweet those at us. And uh, we'll be sure to pick a winner and get you guys the winner, the Amazon Echo Dot. Guys, to kick the show off this week, it's Senior Day versus Illinois this weekend. So I figured what better way to kick off the show than talk about the seniors with with a fun game. So this senior class, we're going to play a little word association. What word or phrase, since we're not really limited, we're a man of many words in this podcast, do you use to associate to this senior class? Champ, we'll kick it off with you. So I have a phrase, and my phrase is, I wanted more. That's what I think about when I think about this senior class, and specific two guys that I single out in a single class that I wanted just a little bit more from within their careers and especially their senior years, and that's Michael Ojemudie and Nate Stanley. Coming into the season, we thought Michael Ojemudie was going to be one of the best cornerbacks in college football. He hasn't really been that this year. He's been solid. He's had some very nice games, but he's also been benched for Riley Moss in games. So all in all, it's just a little bit – I just wanted a little bit more from Michael Ojemudie. And then we all know my thoughts on Nate Stanley. I I didn't get to talk. We know. 
But <laughs> I'm going to give him a little credit. I didn't get to do the post-game show with you guys last week. I had a wedding. But I think he, I thought he played great last week against Minnesota. But all in all, Nate Stanley, I wanted a little bit more from him. I wanted him to go on the road and win that big game, and he didn't do that in his career. I'm sorry. It sucks. They obviously got to get a big win against Minnesota last week, but they were already eliminated from Big Ten West contention. So, I mean, yes, it was a big win, but at the same time, Nate had to do more for me. His senior year in specific, he needed to go out and win that Wisconsin game or win that Penn State game or win that Michigan game. He wins one of those three games, and all of a sudden we're right in the thick of the Big Ten West, and he just didn't do that. So that's my phrase. I wanted more from the senior class. All right. I mean, I don't have anything. I can't nick, nitpick too much at that, but it's more than these classes, more than two people. So, Jerry, where are you going? What, what are you using to associate with the senior class? The class is more than these two people, but it's not really that much more <laughs> than these two people. So my phrase is from the great Jim Carrey from the amazing movie Liar Liar, which is extremely underrated. I've great had film. better. <laughs> I've had better. I've had better. I've had better. I've seen better classes. We've had better classes. This class, DC, we were talking pre-show. You mentioned it, and I hope I'm, I'm probably stealing your thunder, so I apologize. But it is probably the worst-ranked recruiting class that we've had. Now, I am grading this just based on the seniors that are graduating. So, no, I am not counting Noah Fant. I am not counting some of those guys that have left early. And I am also counting the Levi Pulse or the Levi Paulson twins, the Paulson twins, who were a class before but are graduating this weekend, quote-unquote for senior night so nate stanley as champ mentioned i had high hopes for he's correct now champ is now correct nate stanley never won the big game on the road he could never bring us to that big 10 championship he did a lot of great things and i still think that he's going to find himself in the league because he has a cannon but he just never was able to kind of just shoot past that and get up that hill and then michael ojimudier we've had some great moments but there's like champ uttered it's just it was so inconsistent, and it never like really came up to be like that Desmond King type performance that we were hoping for this year. I mean, the, you guys are, are pretty harsh critics, if, if I do say so myself. My big thing to take away for this is, I wish it it's leaving me. I think you're on the right track with both of you. I think it's it's leaving me wanting more, but it's mostly because of the guys who did leave early, and I'm gonna lump that in there. Jerry, you alluded to the fact that this was a low. This was the lowest-rated recruiting class that's since they've been on campus. So there's been classes re- like ranked worse than they have been historically. Correct. But since these guys have been on campus and the classes pres- at following them, every class has been better. So it has me super excited oh, for yeah. the future. But also really looking through this class, what could have been? What if Imani Hooker stayed for a year? What if Fant and and Hawkinson stayed for another year? Like all of these other weapons. What if what if Manny Ragumba stayed for a year and stayed didn't leave? Anthony Nelson could have added a lot to that D line having a nice. What if Urban Meyer rotation. was our coach? This isn't the what if game. We're playing the game about what we saw this but, year from the senior class. But the, it gets to the point: is Iowa is a program that unfortunately can't sustain a mass exodus of talent. It's still and always will be a developmental program. So when these guys who are part of these classes leave early. You see, I mean, quite frankly, looking back, uh, looking back in the previews, maybe we should have considered this more. All this talent that left, Iowa can't just backfill it. 
I tried to tell you guys preseason that losing Hawkinson and Noah Fant was going to be a hell of a lot bigger thing than you guys both thought. I heard tight end you. It's tight end you from Jerome here that we'll just plug and play tight ends. You can't just plug and play two first-round pick tight ends and just expect, oh, it'll just be a small drop-off. Wait a minute. It's a significant, significant drop-off from the tight ends this year. And that's – one, that could be the reason that our offense wasn't good enough. Our offense wasn't good enough last year with those two first-round tight ends. We won. Well, we're going to win. Wait a minute. We just—that's your boy's fault from not playing Noah Fant. Okay, fine. My boy's fault. He didn't play Noah Fant because Noah Fant didn't know the playbook and know when to block or know oh, when stop. he should actually like. He seems it, to be doing just fine in the NFL. Jerry. Yeah, in yeah, the NFL, I, that's I, great. Penn know, State. He didn't know what the hell he was doing, and that's why that pass was intercepted. But I digress. I've said it plenty of times before. Let's like. We're going to just assume that all of a sudden that the same 9-3 and three record as we had last year is like this is the same thing. So they did plug and play these guys with an Amir Smith-Marset, with a Tyrone Tracy, with a Brandon Smith, with a Tyler Goodson. These guys weren't missed that much. They did the same things offensively as they did last year without the tight end. So don't talk yeah, to me. Yeah, you but didn't, you didn't mention any wide receivers and or running backs that left last year. The tight ends left, and the tight ends this year have been very subpar. But they if we had the same the tight load. ends we had last year you wouldn't have these type of amir smith marset or tyrone tracy performances amir smith marset was damn good last year with these he was not ends, this so good false. this year he, was, he wasn't this good champ no well obviously they had to step up because they didn't have two right so i'm saying like ends. it wasn't let's not pretend that all of a sudden i was a six-win team because the tight ends went somewhere it's the same exact team they found more weapons to use instead of just only going to those tight ends all the time if and they that's had, what if they, they did if one of those tight ends would have stayed i still think the these wide receivers would have broke out and had great years. They just would have, Nate would have, instead of having to throw it out of bounds or throw it 20 yards past his wideouts, he could have checked it down to Noah Fant for 15. Would would that would that have helped Nate win one of those uh, games? Yeah, I think if they had one of these tight ends this year, that Iowa would have beat Wisconsin, yes. And I think they would have beat Michigan, too. I tend to agree with Champ on that one. I don't at all because it's still the same Iowa offense who doesn't score more than 26 points. And they didn't need to score 26 points against Michigan. They needed to score 13 and they win that game. I don't know if you remember <laughs> what happened in that Michigan game, but every time Iowa crossed the, the Michigan's 40, they shot themselves in the foot. That happens with or without Noah Fant. I disagree because when you get inside that, the red zone and that pass <laughs> the, the red 50, zone, the tight ends. The tight ends shine down there. That's when the tight ends start to do you have to get their there work first. is in those small little lanes where you don't have a lot of yardage, where you can't Alaric throw Jackson 30, just jumped off sides passes. again in that game. I mean, that's fine, but I mean, we can agree to disagree, but I think they beat Michigan if I'll no agree that I'm still right. on this team. I mean, Champ's got a valid point, and we have an interview coming with Robbie Foley today who alludes to the fact that the tight ends have not having having the drop off from Noah Fenton TJ Hawkson does play a role in the red zone in the other half of the 50 when I was able to move the ball and on their side of the field they are having success because they have talent on the to spread the field out wide when they get closer to the end zone and the field shrinks you need a big body tight end they didn't have reliable guys down there so I agree with champ if they have one of those guys I think the season's a lot different 
Just think about how excited Jerry got for Sam Laporta after the game against Northwestern, where he had, what, three catches for, like, oh, 45 I'm still excited yards. About Sam Laporta. I mean, Noah Fant did that in, like, a quarter most of the time last year. So, I mean, you're going to get that excited about a tight end that has, I think, five catches on the entire season. Noah Fant would have games where he'd have that by halftime, five catches, 100, and a touchdown. So, I mean, for you to think the fact that these tight ends wouldn't have made that big of a difference is ridiculous. <laughs> Okay. I think that Philly's little quarter zip is getting to your head. I've never <laughs> seen you wear any baseball apparel outside of the White Sox in my life, and you're rocking a Philly's fucking quarter zip tonight. Jerry Silent. All right. Well, I think regardless, we are losing a senior quarterback who will arguably have all or be near the top of all of the Iowa passing records. So moving on to a different quarterback next year will be difficult. I think for all you said about Nate Stanley not being able to win the big road game, he has been a good presence at quarterback his entire time at Iowa. Yeah, I mean, Nate Stanley is going to go down as a top five quarterback in the program's history yeah. as to right now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, we're going to miss him for sure, especially with all the experience he has. But he could have done a little bit more. I think we were all pretty much had that as our thought. So He's definitely the most ag- polarizing top five quarterback they've had, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's the same as Jay Cutler was with the Bears. I mean, he was a top five quarterback for their organization. I mean, that's not saying much, but. Yeah, exactly. We can't beat Sid Luckman. <laughs> it does. It does make the question of what if he had one more year with this with this group of receivers. Uh, I'm ready for it to be over. And what? <laughs> Jerry's done. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's just that the first half was still so good, but then there were still, like, those two overthrows and just, like, the, this was probably one of the best, like, ball-throwing games we've seen from Nate Stanley, and it still only produced 20 points. So it's just, we're good. I'm good. I'm ready for something new. All right, he's good. All right. 23 I, points, to be exact. As I alluded to or a little bit earlier, we have an interview right now with Robbie Foley. So for those of you who might not be super active on Iowa Twitter, Robbie, Robbie's been on there recently. He's Robbie Foley underscore on Twitter, and he provides a little bit of a film breakdown of Iowa's offense normally on how and what they're doing to have success, what things that they could, what things they're doing schematically that might be different, better, worse, how things are working basically on the football field for the offense. So we figured it'd be a great great guest to have on there. So let's throw this interview to Robbie to break down kind of what Iowa did successfully versus Minnesota last week and kind of look into Iowa this year offensively and what they've been doing and maybe not doing. We'll throw that we'll throw that interview right now. All right, we are joined by Robbie Foley, who I have discovered on Twitter, and he breaks down Iowa film and posts those videos and what he sees on YouTube. Robbie, how's it going? I'm great, Dave. Jerry, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks Robbie, for coming on. Uh, so I don't know if, if you guys, folks who listen to the show here, are active on Twitter, but Robbie is posting videos before games, after games, Going breaking on the film of what he sees Iowa doing schematically, so I figured no place, nobody better to have on to kind of walk through the different things I was doing, especially after the first half we saw versus Minnesota offensively. But Robbie, just kick things off. What got you into film study, and how long have you been kind of watching watching football tape and and kind of trying to diagnose plays and stuff like that? Oh goodness, well I've been introduced to football. For a long time I think I was four when I went to my first Iowa game and um, probably about four or four and a half years old when I went to my first NFL game so I've been around the game 
for a long time and then I played it for as long as I could possibly play it and then once I was done playing it I had no idea what to do so I a lot of my friends are teachers and coaches so I got into coaching and then um, I think the X's and O's and all those scheme things just basically kind of come from being a coach. And then I've also, I, I had a cup of coffee one season in 2017 with pro football focus, doing some analytics work for college games and pro games. And then um, I've done some studying as far as uh, um, like player evaluations for like, like NFL draft prospects, pro prospects, stuff like that from, um, there's a really cool, uh, um, academy online. It's called the scouting Academy. I didn't finish everything through there. Uh, I did a lot of work there with, um, like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, wide receiver, secondary stuff where I really, um, I, I learned a lot from players from like a snap to finish kind of focus. And, um, there was just like, there are so many wonderful things about learning at that, like scouting Academy. They had tutorials and, uh, people who would teach those classes that were NFL GMs at one point or NFL coaches, coordinators, college coaches, coordinators. So uh, just being around people who knew the game a lot better than I did and just trying to absorb that as much as possible. So I've kind of immersed myself in a lot of dis- different aspects of football. That's awesome. So, I mean, well, let's let's get right into it. Um, Iowa typically falls back on and post games if things if yeah, after losses things aren't going so great on execution being the reason for a lack of success on offense was this past week versus minnesota i think we saw a lot of different things especially in the first half was it just better execution or were there any specific scheme related changes that you saw that kind of led to more success especially in the first half well, I certainly think it's got to be a little bit of both. There's certainly things that Iowa did differently, and they executed those things differently. Um, you can drop all the plays in the sand you want, but if you don't have the players to run them and the execution to run them, then it doesn't really mean anything. And obviously, probably one of the biggest things that Iowa did was they inserted Tyler Goodson as the starting running back. And he's somebody who, at that position, Iowa simply hasn't had somebody who changes the game like him since Akram Wadley. And, you know, Tyler is not only a great runner of the football, but he's valuable in the passing game. And, and you know, we might touch on this in a little bit, but I know people are talking about, oh, you know, Iowa running zone, you know, inside or outside zone. It's easy to run outside zone with Tyler. Not easy, but, you know, he allows for the offensive line not to be perfect. You know, like on that touchdown run he had, that play was designed to, I believe, go inside and somebody you know, for Minnesota shot right in right away and he bounced that out. And that's just, you know, having one kind of player that can do something that, you know, not many other players on the roster can do for Iowa. And I mean, Makai Sargent and Torrey Young certainly serve their purpose and, you know, they're valuable guys, but Tyler's different. And I think everybody has, has seen that this year as a true freshman. Yeah, now, Robbie, I saw, I don't know if it was this past week or right before the Minnesota game, but you had actually a thread on Twitter about the inside run plays that I found pretty fascinating, actually. So I have a kind of a two-part question to kind of go along with what you just mentioned. Um, Sure. What are you seeing from Iowa's inside run plays, and what do you think they should be doing differently? And would that mean even more explosive plays down the line for Iowa's future, who I keep calling Jonathan Taylor and Tyler Goodson? (laughs) Well, you know, Tyler, I mean, 
he's going to even get even bigger after this year too. I, I don't know. He might not be over 200 pounds yet, but he's going to be a guy that they can still run in between the tackles. Like Akram was still a little slider of frame. Um, you know, they got him out on the edge and they got him out on counters and outside zones. And like, those are plays that were just absolute money for Iowa. And, you know, like it is great to have a guy like Torin Young if you're going to run inside zone or you're going to try to pound the ball up the middle. And as far as like inside zone goes, um, you know, that hasn't been one of Iowa's better run plays this year. But um, like for me, I've never been of the opinion to say, OK, we need to run the inside zone to set up play action or whatever. If you can run the football, whether it's on an outside zone or whether it's a gap play where you have a, a lineman pulling, then you can still have play action and you can use that effectively by not having to be great at inside zone and inside zone. I mean, if one defensive tackle slips in or one guy, you know, gets through the, into the backfield right away, that's harder to overcome. I mean, the, the blocking on that, I mean, I'm not saying like more, you know, outside zone, you have a little bit more room for air and like inside zone is not as important it is, but if, you get beat right away on inside zone, that play is going to get blown up more than not. But if, you know, somebody, you know, maybe kind of sneaks in on an outside zone and you have a back that can make somebody miss, then you might not see, you know, for Iowa, I mean, you know, a guy like Tyler can help with that. But on the inside zone, I mean, for Iowa, the thing that they did real well over, you know, they've been incorporating a lot of motion and shifts, and that just gives the defensive line and the linebackers a little bit more to work with. And they've ran the ball well on the inside sometimes this year. They've done it with pulling guys. They've done it with um, putting two running backs in the backfield. They've done it with um, in that um, they did out of 11 personnel. You know, they would do that in the uh, Northwestern game. So if you can get somebody like Amir Smith-Marset in motion, have him come across the formation, and then maybe even pull a lineman too, or, you know, you don't have to do that. But if you give more things at the snap for just one split second, that can be the difference in a crease or not. But um, that's, they don't have, Iowa doesn't have to completely abandon the inside running game. They still can do it and they can still do it well. And keep in mind, like that's where, you know, we all know how great the tackles are at Iowa. That's the strength of their offense, right? You know, with Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs. And as good as Tyler Linderbaum has been at times this year and as good as he's going to be in the future, he's still learning that position too. I mean, he's a first-year player and he was on the defensive side of the ball at this time a year ago. And that speaks volume for how well he's playing now to be able to start in the Big Ten, to be able to have the moments that he's had. But Iowa still has they've had that revolving door and trying to figure out those combinations at guard. And if you can't block anybody, it doesn't matter what kind of play calls you have. You know, if you have any kind of interior pressure, then the run's blown up, then you might not have enough time to pass. And then all of a sudden fans are saying, well, why, you know, why are we calling this pass play if we're getting sacked? Well, there's a lot that goes into it and it's not just blocking your guy. It's the mental part of it too. Like reading a stunt or, you know, like feeling where the pressure is coming from, from Stanley, when he can get out of the pocket through the back door or when he needs to step up into it. So there's so many things. And that's why football is so great is there's 11 guys there. And like, you might watch a play and like, you might see the play it's unsuccessful, but you know, is it one, you know, was one guy in the wrong spot Did one guy not communicate what he needed to communicate. So um, I think I kind of, maybe I should have been a little bit more direct with that answer uh, with the inside zone, but um, you could see Iowa when, they run the inside zone well. I mean, 
look at what they ran on the the touchdown to Amir Smith bar set on their third touchdown of the game. You know, Minnesota was biting down hard on the run fake. It was coming right at them. And then you can slip out, you know, players behind them. So um, there's different ways to get runs on the inside and it doesn't just have to be inside zone. You can go with a, a duo run play. It's a pretty co uh, popular concept in the NFL. It's basically where you double, um, double on the inside uh, you have um it's 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 a power play without um without like the zone i don't know how to i should be a little bit more articulate with it but like it's power without a puller so like you basically it looks like inside zone but you're basically you're your two double teams are on the inside and then you have a backside guard and like they work up from the nose tackle to the linebacker so um and especially like for Iowa, like if you're going to have a productive game, you need to be able to block the first level. But if you're going to have an explosive game, you need to get to those linebackers. You need to get on those guys that are, you know, secondary players that you can, you know, really kind of hit, you know, on a, a more explosive running play. So you kind of mentioned a little bit about the offensive line, which is a big factor of getting Tyler Goodson and other, you know, Iowa running backs to that second level in your film study. Who have, who have you kind of liked in the combination-wise? Like, I know you mentioned Tyler Linderbaum, and I think we're all pretty excited about his future prospects at that position. But I think we can also agree that the Paulson Twins really haven't gotten the job done. So I'm just kind of curious on who you've seen on the inside that you've liked as an offensive lineman um, uh, with a lot of these run plays and what, you know, Brian Ferentz is trying to do with Nate Stanley. Because there's also times of third and short, third and medium, and even third and long where he's got a guy right in his grill and that, that inside line just hasn't really solidified. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've tried a lot of different combinations and all of those guys have shown some good things like Cody Eints. He's shown some good things. And, you know, so Landon Paulson, he, he's, I mean, I feel like he's a better gap blocker than he is a zone blocker when he's pulling, he can do some good things too. And Justin Britt's done some good things this year. Mark Kallenberger's done some good things this year. And, um, just, and if you can have any level of continuity of just like, okay, like, you know, these are the same five guys or, you know, these guys are, you know, the, this right tackle and right guard have worked together. And then, you know, you throw into the, the fold that, you know, Larry Jackson was out for a little bit. I mean, there's really been, I mean, so many guys and Iowa, you know, they're always going to say we're going to play our best five, but in, a, in an ideal world, you'd be able to play the guys at the same spots every single week. But as far as, you know, finding, you know, a combination there for, for guards, I mean, I always, I think Kallenberger's on the plan where he might be kicked out you know, next year to tackle just because if you have two guys that go pro, I, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but you know, if two it's guys likely. who are, yeah, yeah, if it's something that's likely, you know, guys that are going to be high level picks. I mean, something before that, you know, this year's, it's a little concerning at times. It's like, you know, you had all these positions kind of up for grabs and they kind of went unclaimed at times. And, you know, if you lose two of your uh, starters at tackle, then next year, um, you know, you might need, um, you know, some guys that, you know, I would just such a great job. Crystal does such a great job with getting guys bigger, faster, stronger, but they don't always get those guys that are ready made players to play right away. And it's very rare that those young kids play on the offensive line. I mean, you know, Brian Bulaga played on the interior and got kicked out, you know, to the tackle. He played as a true freshman and, you know, Tristan Worf played some as a, as a true freshman 
on the inside and, you know, or on, you know, playing tackle. But I think with a lot of these guys, it's just snaps, just getting that communication down. I think all, like, I wouldn't say any one is more superior than the other. And, you know, maybe Justin Britt plays more this year if they don't want a red shirt. I mean, he's been healthy, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think they want somebody to come forward and say, this is, you know, this is our guy. This is who we're going with. But I still feel like they're still going to work through some of those combinations, even in the last three games of the year with two in the regular season and whatever bowl game they play. I mean, you've seen guys come out in the middle of the games, in the middle of drives, even, you know, on that interior line. So, I mean, I think some of them, I think the pass blocking thing is probably the thing that people noticed most earlier in the year is they, you know, they had trouble working with the stunt and twist game. And, you know, there's teams that got pressure on Iowa with only putting, you know, four, four rushers at the quarterback. So, um, I think, and Iowa has done some things to adjust to the protection. They've brought backs in closer. They've brought tight ends in closer. They've also, um, they've done, I mean, a really good job of like that touchdown to Amir Smith Marset to make it 20 to three. They only had two guys out in the pass route. So they've adjusted. They've put more guys in on the protections. They've, they've gotten the ball out quicker for Stanley, which is nice. So there's ways around this stuff, but I think you're not going to magically find anybody going forward. Who's going to say, Hey, like, you know, like all of our problems are stopped, you know, on the interior, like I was doing a better job of getting playmakers out in space. So they're not having to, you know, rely on all those guys on the inside to, to necessarily get running yards or to get, you know, you know, to be able to move the ball down the field. Yeah, I mean that, that makes a total sense. You you kind of hit on Iowa doing different things to try to like get the ball out quicker, different moving tight ends, cl- tight ends and closer, things of that nature. This summer, going into the season, I personally was a big advocate for using more eleven personnel for people who might not know. That's one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Um, and basically, my my whole line of thinking was, it's what you see in the NFL and the Rams do it all the time is spreading out defenses to make it a little bit easier to, to run the football. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is that a personal group that I was using to like to, from what you've seen with success, or is there another personal group that they use a lot of that they're having success success with, or is there, is there maybe one that um, they could be using maybe differently to have a little bit more success? That's a great question. And, you know, I was done some really good things out of 11 personnel. Um, and, you know, like that game against Northwestern, they ran the ball on third and long twice out of 11 yeah. personnel shotgun and got first downs off of it. And Northwestern, while they're not having any success in the wins and loss columns this year, I think they still have a pretty sound defense. Um, you know, their offense, you know, might be struggling, you know, certainly. But they've still, I mean, I think they only gave up 24 points at Camp Randall. I know the game maybe against Ohio State got out of hand. But, you know, Northwestern still has a more than serviceable defense. And, you know, for Iowa to, you know, they must have saw something on tape where when you go 11 personnel, you're just playing the game, the numbers game. You see how many defenders are in the box. And, you know, some of those times you'd have six guys for Iowa blocking six defenders. So you like those odds there. And some of the reasons why, you know, maybe the inside zone's not working for Iowa is, you know, up until this year, not many teams respected Iowa to challenge them vertically in the passing game. So you can bring down run blitzes. You can bring down extra defenders in the box and you can just dare Iowa to throw it over the top. And now this year with Tyrone Tracy, with uh, Amir Smith-Marset or Brandon Smith, and then you also couple that with Tyler Goodson on the backfield, you know, 
teams have to be a little bit more cognizant of Iowa pushing the ball down the field. So uh, 11 personnel, especially if you do some motioning out of 11 personnel, jet motion, you can get some of those defensive ends and outside linebackers widen out a little bit, and you can run it inside on an A-gap run or a B-gap run. So 11 personnel has been really great for Iowa. They've also done some really good things out of 20 personnel, too, where they haven't even had any tight ends on the field. And this is just an adjustment for Iowa this year because clearly last year, two of the best tight ends in the country, two first-round picks. Now, um, certainly Iowa uses the tight end, but the Iowa, you just, I mean, when is, when is another team ever going to have two first-round draft picks at tight end? You probably will go a long time with ever seeing, without ever seeing that again. And TJ Hawkinson was a great blocking tight end. And Noah Fant did some really good things blocking the ball too, or blocking, you know, without... You know, everyone would think, you know, well, fans a pass catcher, but he did some good things in the run game, too. But you might not see, you know, 12 personnel with one running back and one tight end or 22 you know, personnel with, you know, two running backs and two tight ends as much as you did last year, because I was certainly had two tight ends where, you know, it'd be hard to ever take them off the field. And now with Nate Weeding, he's not as much of a pass catching threat, but he still does some good things blocking, the, you know, blocking for them. So as far as you know, personnel groupings, I think if I would just, they can still run inside zone and outside zone out of 11 personnel, but they can also get some, you know, friendlier, you know, box numbers that they can run into where they're not running into, you know, a blitz or, you know, or a box that has eight guys in it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. When you go, when you go 20 personnel, do you think there's an opportunity there to actually use two traditional tailbacks like Goodson and Mikhail Sargent versus a fullback? Yeah, absolutely. There's some things with that where you can motion one of those guys out in the backfield that could, you know, certainly widen out the defense. Use one of them as a lead blocker. There was a play where Makai, I think, you know, he he was a lead blocker on a a run out to the right with uh, Goodson where they got he got tackled at like the one yard line. So like, there's some things that like, I mean, Iowa has some they're definitely doing things differently on offense. They're finding ways to see, okay, these are what our playmakers can do. Now we're trying to get them in all these spots. And, you know, obviously everyone would like to see more points and more yards and all that stuff, but there is a difference. I mean, I was starting to, you know, realize, Hey, there's some free access throws. We're recognizing the cushion pre-snap and we can throw the ball out to Tyrone Tracy or Amir Smith-Marset and they can make somebody miss and they can get a first down. So, um, 20 personnel, I love that. Some teams, you know, or it's referred to as pony personnel too. So you got two running backs in the game. And um, I think Iowa can just do, I mean, there's a ton of things that Iowa can do out of that. And I mean, Iowa is doing a much better job of just, like, they haven't incorporated the running back in the passing game as much as they have this year either. I mean, Tyler Goodson's running, you know, he's coming out of the backfield and he's running that Texas route where he looks like he's going out to the flat and he's busting it upfield. Tyler Goodson's also removed from the formation. He's running a go route on the sideline against Michigan. So, I mean, it's it's great to, you know, have some of these plays that you can draw up and their new schemes and everything like that. But if you don't have the players to do it, then it doesn't really matter. And, you know, one missed block or one missed assignment on, you know, something that you can scheme all week and you think it's going to be open, then the fans say, oh, this is a bad play. You know, they, they missed the block and it was a sack. Well, did you see it? The guy was coming open or, you know, what was the read or whatever? You know, it's there's just so many things that, you know, can be at play before you really – 
you know, make a judgment. And I'm, I go to all the home games and, you know, I always just try to reserve any kind of opinion until I watch the game on TV. Cause there's so much that you can miss while you're at the game. And, you know, and as a fan, you can see, oh, well, we won or we lost, like things must've been good or things must've been bad, but like, why were they good? Why were they bad? So um, I was getting a little bit more sophisticated on offense. They're doing, you know, things that are going away from tendencies. Um, they are, you know, they're not always, you know, running on second and 10 or, you know, you know, if they throw an incomplete pass on first and 10, they're not always running the ball on second and 10, you know? So, um, personnel groupings have a lot to say, you know, with what your, you know, what your play calls are. And I was going to have a lot of weapons back next year. You'll have, you know, all those running backs back. You'll have, you know, Brandon Smith back, Amir Smith-Marset back, Nico Reganey back. I mean, you have, I mean, maybe Oliver Martin and, you know, and Oliver, you know, he's he's another good football player i'm he's a really good football player and he wouldn't be on the team i wouldn't you know dip into the transfer portal if they didn't see something 100%. there yep. so and and um, they wouldn't have sorry this is going to get no, on a fine. tangent here they wouldn't have made the case for him to be eligible immediately Correct. if they didn't believe in his talent right and i know you know and uh, you know some of the people will complain about you know the answer of like well he's not ready yet and um i guess you know for me, I think there's a little bit of merit to that. Like if he knows like four or five plays or you can get a package of three or four or five plays for him. You know, I, I kind of had this conversation with Fad and uh, hockey game film. And I think Mark and Scott might have been tagged along with it, too. But like, you know, find out who your best playmakers are. They might not even be starters. You know, they might barely even be on the depth chart or, you know, but if you have a guy that can change the game on one play or whatever, you know, like find a way to get him, you know, a package of plays. You might not get to it in a game or whatever, but just have that, you know, where it's like, okay, we're in this crunch, you know, situation. We need this, you know, okay, well maybe we can go to, you know, getting the ball to somebody who might not necessarily be on the scouted look from the, opposing defense you know like you need to have some of those unscouted looks that you can go to in certain times where the defense you know certainly doesn't know how to adjust to them you know they might have a communication bus in the secondary and you know you can take advantage of that but um you know i kind of talked about it with those guys was like you know you see a guy like damon powell in the past like he's a package player right like you can get him on a post route you can get him on a go route you can you can get him on a tunnel screen he might not be able to run every single route that you want your receivers to run but he can still make a game-changing play by what he can do and like you also had like jonathan parker he wasn't a guy you're going to want to run in between the tackles but you got him on all those jet sweeps and he can get out to the edge with his speed and that's some of the things like where I think, you know, I would, they don't really even need to worry about like, you know, don't, don't care what your identity is. If you can move the ball, running it up the middle, that's great. If you need to move it by running outside, that's fine. Like if this is a year where the passing game is working more effectively than the running game, then keep passing the ball. It's like those shorter passes can help supplement the running game. Well, it's even as simple as what they've kind of done with Sam Laporta in the last couple of weeks. Right. So the, the exactly. tight end was absolutely non-existent for the first several games of the season, basically because of injuries and keeping them in the block. But then all of a sudden Sam Laporta pops. And I think they've done that exact thing that you just mentioned, Robbie, where one, two, maybe three plays a game, they're looking his way for a big time explosive play. And that's really worked in their advantage, at least against Wisconsin, Northwestern yep. and, and now Minnesota. Yeah, that first play against Wisconsin, you know, they ran that swap boot where they ran the, uh, you know, they they sold the run fake to the left. He came right back, right back underneath the formation to the right. And like, it's just, 
you know, stuff like that. Like, okay, you see, like, okay, like he had, you know, he got connected with, you know, Stanley on a deep over route against Northwestern. And the thing that's helpful is that Iowa has receivers that have to be respected now. And it's not hating on what, you know, the previous wide receiver cores were, but I think everybody who follows Iowa football is in agreement. Like when was the last time, you know, they had a receiving core this good. And, you know, Tyrone Tracy going into last week's game was averaging like 19.7 yards a catch or whatever. He played running back in high school. He's a guy that when you get the ball in his hands, he can make somebody miss and he can make, the, you know, something happen after he catches the ball. He's he's learned the nuances of the wide receiver position. He's running good routes. He's getting in and out of his cuts. He's creating separation. And then you have somebody like Amir Smith-Marset where he can beat you deep, but then he's also gotten a little bit bigger after last year. He's gotten stronger. His hands have gotten better. He can work underneath a little bit more. And then Brandon Smith, it's a shame that he got hurt because he was taking off this year. He was doing more stuff. And Iowa has guys that they can stretch a field vertically with. Tracy's making plays in the deep level of the field. So has Brandon Smith. So has Amir Smith-Marset. When has Iowa said that they could put three receivers that could do that? They really haven't. And now you can work tight ends off of that, you know, like, and people forget, like, Iowa went for it on fourth and one against Minnesota and they went empty on fourth and one, and they connected it to Nate Weeding on a pass play. So, like, I mean, that just goes to show, like, on fourth and one, when was the last time Iowa went empty on fourth and one and threw the ball? Like, it might have been a 10-yard pass, but, like, you think, okay, sneak, fullback dive, you know, just get it here. So like, Not the fullback uh, dive anymore, yeah. please. <laughs> and, like, and that's just the thing. Like, now that's a tendency that teams see on film, right? Like, okay, Iowa goes fullback dive quite a bit, right? Okay, so now, like, the first play of the game to, to Goodson, you shift two tight ends to the right. You have that, you know, threat of going on the inside zone right, outside zone right. You have the threat of the fullback dive or even the sneak on third and one. And then all of a sudden, that whole left side of the field, I'll take Tyler Goodson against anybody in the open field. He's shown the ability to run through guys. He's shown the, the ability to run past guys, you know, to make guys miss. And it's I, it just feels like it's a matter of time before Iowa hits on one of those for an even more explosive, bigger, longer game. And um, that's just one of those things where if you just have I mean, it's it's great to have guys that, you know, can be the guy who's a bigger back who bashes and wears down, you know, defenses. Torn Young has been a good change of pace of back in plenty of games where things weren't working before, where he's coming in, he's picked up the run game. He did some really good things against Wisconsin recently. So. To have the change of pace backs, you're going to have to have a lot of backs just because it's a Big Ten season. It's a long year. You know, midway through the fourth quarter, Tyler Goodson goes out. You might have to adjust your play calls a little bit midway through the fourth quarter because you had a good rhythm with Tyler. Things were working on running counters. You were running outside zones. You're running, you know, naked pitches. Now you have to adjust things. Guys who are blocking those plays all game now might have to do a little bit more inside zone for Torn Younger. you know, just things might get changed up a little bit. But, um, you know, Iowa certainly is going away from tendency. They are trying new things. And, you know, for them to try these things, and, like, Brian Ferentz is getting his footing as an offensive coordinator. He's learning a lot. He's evolving the offense. And I think it's unfair to him just because the results aren't always there doesn't mean there aren't some good things, some good things schematically, some good game plans. I think people see total yards, you know, and, you know, I'll say, you know, it's like, yeah, you'll be judged on how many points you score on offense. And, you know, Iowa really hasn't lit up the scoreboard on anybody this year. But, you know, you go from a year where you have two NFL tight ends 
and you might have been a little bit more sound up the middle. Now you don't have those tight ends. Now you don't have that, you know, some of those guys like Ross Reynolds or, you know, Keegan Render, guys who have been in the system for a long enough time that have had a lot of reps. So now you're adjusting to your personnel. I think Iowa is, you know, as the years gotten along, they found better ways to get their playmakers involved. And you're not going to find that out necessarily in the first week or the second week. It's a work in progress as it is with every week because guys are getting hurt. You're, you know, now all of a sudden you're moving, you know, Brand Smith out of the lineup and now Tyrone Tracy's got to be the X receiver. I mean, how many other guys can go from, you know, a Z receiver to an X receiver? You know, like that there's, you got to learn different, you know, you got, okay, now I got two routes that I need to remember instead of, you know, one or, you know, just stuff like that where it's it's asking a little bit more of the players. And from week to week, things are so fluid and they can change. No, absolutely. Uh, well, Robbie, you know, we had, this was awesome. We This is exactly what we wanted when, we, when I asked you to come on the show. Get Make us all a little bit smarter. And you successfully did that. I feel smarter. I learned a little bit of something. Hope everybody else listening did. You guys can follow Robbie at RobbieFoley underscore on Twitter. Robbie, anything anywhere else people can find you at? You know what, guys? I mean, I'm not I'm not really much for social media. I, I mean, I don't really <laughs> post anything personally on Twitter. I think people are following me for certainly just one reason, and it's the, the Hawkeye stuff. And I, I've been on and off social media so many times, and I'm pretty hesitant to share stuff. And I'm, I'm actually really more shy than anything, and I don't ever feel like my life's all that interesting, and I don't really have anything to share. But I joined Twitter just to learn more about football, to follow, you know, things that are Iowa, you know, people that I respect, people that I know, you know, that have followed the team for a long time or people that are good with film or X's and O's. Like for me, like I just got back on Twitter just so I could, you know, do some more stuff where I can learn about, you know, players, schemes, you know, follow my favorite teams and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's been very, um, you know, it's been a pleasant surprise that, um, you know, I think I might have had like 10 followers before I tweeted Mark one video or something, you know, and and now there's been a lot more people that have been interacting. And, you know, there's been some really good discussions. People are curious and they want to learn and they're doing that in a way that, you know, they're respectful of other people. And that's what makes me want to keep doing it more. And I'm trying to learn more about, you know, the opponents and see if I can post stuff that's not just, you know, Iowa stuff. But, you know, I'll try to find some stuff on Illinois that I can post this week and um you know, I'll, I'll be wrong, certainly plenty of times going forward. And I'm going to, you know, have, you know, there's going to be questions I don't have answers to. But, um, you know, I think, you know, there's enough people out there on, you know, the community on, on Twitter that, you know, if you ask the, the right questions, you, you will, you know, probably find, you know, the answer you're looking for. Maybe not the first time, but um, there's a, a really good group of people out on the, the Hawkeye Twitterverse and, um, you know, I mentioned him before, but yeah, you guys know Thad and Thad's great. And, you know, Hawkeye Game Film, I've been following him for so long. I mean, he's terrific. And, you know, Mark and Scott are just people that I've been conversing with on Twitter, but they've been around the program for such a long time. And, you know, they're respectful. They're great at what they do. They're great writers. They're great with their podcast. And I mean, I'm following along with everybody else. I mean, you know, just like, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan, you know, I went to school at the University of Iowa. I, I love going to the games. I, I mean, like, I couldn't, imagine not being in Kinnick on a Saturday so um, I mean I I'm glad that you guys asked me uh, to come on uh, I, I'm certainly um, humbled that anybody would you know care about what I'm doing on uh, on Twitter but um, if you guys had any other questions or anything that you know you might have thought of uh, as we were going through or anything you know go ahead and shoot um, 
I mean, I, I have any more time tonight if you have any of that or anything that come up. But if not, we can certainly, you know, reconvene after uh, the game this weekend, too. Yeah, no, Robbie, I think after all that, you need to stay on Twitter because there's one thing and one thing only that you've done tonight. It's that you've proven that Brian Ferentz is actually trying <laughs> to do things properly for this team, despite what co- the contrary belief is out there in Hawkeye Twitter land. So we definitely appreciate it. And it was uh, great catching up with you. Absolutely. All right. You guys can follow him at Robbie Foley, Foley underscore. Thanks a lot, Robbie. We will talk to you again again in the future. Thanks. All right, we are back. Thank you, Robbie, for joining us. Uh, Champ was unable to to make it due to work, but it was a great conversation talking a little bit of football with Robbie, getting a little nerd out, nerding out on football. Hopefully you guys learned something like me and Jerry did. All right, guys, let's wrap the show here with a little preview on, on the Illinois game and just kind of where it takes stock of where you guys are at in the season thus far. It's a pretty simple game. We got three questions here, but it's basically going to be what's it going to take? I got what's going to, so basically three different scenarios, and let's just jump right into it. What's it going to take for you to be happy with this season? Jerry, we'll start with you. Uh, a time machine? <laughs> <laughs> I, this so season- nothing, wait, so nothing can happen <laughs> in the future for the next two games plus a bowl game. To make you happy with this season. Listen, we talked about this on the on the post game show the other day, DC and Champ. I know you agree with the sentiment because we we talked a little bit after that as well. Like, there's a really nice thing winning the Floyd of Rosedale, and it's a really nice thing beating Minnesota, and it's a really nice thing shutting PJ Fleck the fuck up. It's a really nice thing to put holes in their boat. But when you are out of the Big Ten West race, it's it's not it's it's just. It's just like some extra sugar. I stand corrected. Iowa still has a slight, slight, slight chance of winning the Big Ten West. So does Illinois, and that's the problem. So Illinois actually has a better chance, but Iowa's still alive. They're done. They're out. They're not alive. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. So no, I, I mean, I, statistically, I, they're not done yet. The only person that has any good things coming to him the rest of the season is Kirk Ferentz because the minute he wins his eighth game, which is going to happen in one of the next three, he gets his bonus. And what do we all get? We get just another eight or nine win season. Now, again, I love Kirk Ferentz. I think Brian Ferentz, after this conversation today, he's doing the right things, and he's trying to get this offense into this century and to start scoring more and put up yards and make it fun and exciting. But there should be more and it's okay to want that. I'm not, Hey, you're not wrong, but let me, before I get champs answer here, let me paint a picture for you. Paint. Iowa finishes the year with three more wins, three lost season. They're finishing the season in the top 10 in the final college football playoff rankings. My question to you, if you're not happy with that, what else is there going to be to do? Because they were out with three weeks left to play in the Big Ten West race. I want them to be in it that last week. I'm not begging for them to go every year. I'm begging for them to go into Nebraska and fucking have to win to have the chance to go. Okay. Well, Champ, what's it going to take for you to be happy this season? Anything? Can anything happen? Mine is very similar to Jerry's, and it's nothing. I'm I flat out, I'm not happy with this season. He said everything I said last week, he just said the same thing. 
I want them to be in the fucking race going into the last week of the season. They don't have to go to every Big Ten championship. That's not what we're asking. That's not no, – no one should honestly expect that in the Big Ten except for maybe Ohio State. And even they had a few years where they weren't even competing for, you know, division titles. So that's all I want is for them to be competitive up until the last week and have a chance. Maybe it's not even, let's say, win against Nebraska and you're in. Maybe they need to win and have one other thing sure. happen. I, that At least you have a chance. Going into the final week this year, fuck, going into the final three weeks this year, we have no realistic chance of going to the, to the Big Ten Championship, and that's extremely frustrating. As happy as I was watching P.J. Flex squirm on the sidelines and Iowa winning that game last week and getting the Floyd of Rosedale and having the field being stormed, as happy as that made me, it's still in the back of my head was like, you know what? Why couldn't we win one of these other three games and have a chance at the at the Big Ten West title? Empty calories. So, uh, even if they, you know, let's say they hammer Illinois this week, then they go and they hammer Nebraska, and then they're in the Holiday Bowl or something like that, and they beat another, you know, top 25 team. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, it's. I'm not going to say I'm going to be unhappy with it, but it's, it's still going to leave me wanting more and thinking of what could have been this year and what this team realistically could have done, and it's going to leave me a little bit upset. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, guys, I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm with you. Nothing. I, I was just trying to play devil's advocate. <laughs> it, it, you did a we good job. pulling a chair. <laughs> it, it really is frustrating. And I see the people who are like, well, what if Iowa finishes top 10? They win out. They beat a ranked USC team in the Holiday Bowl. So what? It means nothing. now they're in the top 25. But you know what? You didn't. The number one goal for this program year in and year out is a Big Ten championship. Correct. And to you guys, hit the nail on the head. They were out of that contention effectively with three games left in the season. That's inexcusable if your number one goal year in and year out is to win a Big Ten championship. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. All right. And we're all. On the it same has page to just here. be Thanksgiving, and you're watching on the couch, and you have to have things happen. You just have that has to be the the scenario. Bottom line. Absolutely, and Wisconsin's Wisconsin's now for the next two years, the last game of the season. Yeah, and Wisconsin, even still, like I, I would kill to be in Wisconsin's spot right now. They need some things to happen still, but like, I mean, no, they control their own destiny. They, they that's win what I'm out saying. In the Big Ten championship, that's I mean, that's all you can ask for. Absolutely. So yeah, if, it's going to be a tough game for them to go to Minnesota and win, but they literally control their own destiny. And if if you give me that any day of the week with two games to go in a season, I will take that and be very happy with it. Me three. All right. So if nothing can happen to make this make you happy with this season, what's it going to take for you to be completely over the coaching staff? Champ, we'll start with you. <laughs> I mean, I think there's got to be some changes. That's what. It, that's the only reason that's going to make me happy going into next year is there's got to be some movement. There's got to be some changes within this staff. I, they didn't get it done this year. It's plain and simple. Brian Ferentz, yes, had a wonderful, wonderful first half against Minnesota. He came out gunning, took it right down the field, scored an early touchdown, scored three touchdowns in the first half, and they looked great. But – it's why is that have to why does it have to take to game 10 of the season for Tyler Goodson to get his first start why does it have to take till game 10 of the season to finally put a half like that together it shouldn't take that long why does it only last a half yeah exactly I mean I left I left you guys a voicemail after that first half excited as hell 
and then all of a sudden the second half happened and they scored three points. And champ, and that second half is why we didn't play your voicemail on the post game yeah, show because I mean, it was a completely different could, second half. You couldn't really play it because in that second half it was like you know what they went back to old Iowa and they decided yep let's run it for three yards in a cloud of dust and not open it up and like why I don't understand it. So champ, you're already at the point where you need changes. You're already over this coaching staff. Yes, I do need. I, so Phil what? Parker, Who? Phil Parker and the entire defensive staff can remain in place. I have no problems with them. The offensive staff, whether it's changing Brian Ferentz, whether it's changing the offensive line, whether it's changing the receiver. I mean, there, there's got to be some changes, and I, I, it probably won't happen, but I, that's the only thing that would make me happy. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Jared, what, where are you at right now? Kirk's not okay. So last week I I've said it. I still kind of weirdly think it. I think Kirk might call it at the end of the season. I still but, think I have a but couple not more games. July, right? Yeah, I think he's going to bow Ryan Bryan into the head coaching gig here, so that they don't have to like. There's no like outcry for them not interviewing anybody else, and they can't really pull like that's his son card. So I think if he because there's going to be nobody left, that's what you think. They're just going to well, well, like, there if there's a, there's already camp going on. There's already kids there. How can you bring in another coach? There will be uproar gotcha. if it's not Phil Parker. Great. At least it's, it will be outcry for the a person that's on the staff. But maybe Phil Parker doesn't want it, and maybe he comes out right away. He's like, this is something I didn't want. I'm happy being Brian's defensive coordinator. We have Big Ten championship aspirations. So if that's not going to happen, though, I think I still think that the sacrificial lamb is going to be Tim Polisek. I don't think they all I do, too. I think the same thing. I don't thing. think the offensive line – of all the things in this in – this, Iowa team and the three phases, the offensive line, especially the interior and how many people that had to move in and out all the time. And granted, we talked to Robbie about it earlier and they're, they're getting there and the things are starting to solidify a little bit. But I think that was the unit that underperformed the most. Like Champ said, I'm leaving the defense alone. I'm focusing on the offense. They didn't get the job done. There's too many people in Nate's face, and that falls strictly on the offensive line. And to be completely honest with you, they haven't ran the football very well since Tim Polisek's come to town. That was supposed to be his whole gig, so I think he's going to be the one that maybe goes. I don't think he's gotten a fair shake. I think it's been they North Dakota State ran, over, ran all over Iowa when they came to town and beat Iowa, and they hired him away, and they didn't let him do the things he did at North Dakota State. I'm not uh, disagreeing with you. So, uh, and, they, and, and they didn't play the best you know, running back the entire year to help that offensive line. Because, that and be, and because of both of those things, I don't, I'm A, not over this coaching staff because we've seen flashes of it. You've seen influences from Brian Ferentz and the younger coaching staff doing more modern things in the football. And I think that they're going to get more and more control. I think you see – I don't think Kirk Ferentz is, is going to Bo Ryan as Jerry assumes – I think he's going to remain in place, but then take another step back away from everything. And sure. I, I agree with DC there. I think he's got another couple years left, but he's kind of going to start, you know, waning himself back, giving more and more control to Brian and Phil Parker. And I, I agree. I think he's got a couple more years, but he's going to wane it back a little and bit. And this leads into the Illinois preview. What will really piss me off is if they go into this game versus Illinois and they do what Wisconsin did against Illinois, and they go super conservative and, play, so and try to this. play ball control and do the normal Iowa, historic Iowa ball control 
off time for position thing because Illinois' turnover margin leads the country. They force turnovers. So if you're holding on to the ball and not trying to score, it's just a matter of time until until they come and force a turnover and now you don't have any points to show for you holding the ball for 10 minutes. Yep, 100% so DC. If that happens, it's going to really annoy me and there, people need to take full responsibility for whoever decides that game plan. The three of us watched this happen for so many years under Lovey Smith with the Chicago Bears. He didn't win these games, and he didn't get to the Super Bowl with an offense. He got to the Super Bowl with having a very structured defense that bend but didn't break, and when the time came up, they forced turnovers. It, like, it happened all the time. And, yes, they had a Hall of Fame kick returner. But the peanut punch is a thing, and now the peanut punch is a thing in Illinois right now. 17 fumbles, 16 recovered. That is so many fumbles. Can't you already see a Tyron Tracy getting peanut punched? I can see Tyler getting peanut punched. I can see Amir Smith-Marset getting peanut punched. Yes, I can see all of it happening, and I'm so nervous that Iowa is going to realize this, and they're going to think running the football is going to be the right thing to do, With and they're Torin just going to— Mackay. Yes, and go right back into their shell. Torrin's a senior, and they're going to have to give him carries because it's senior yep. day, blah, blah, blah. Don't Let's not forget about— Nate Stanley getting strip sack because he's a, you know had a lot of those in his career. That's what I'm saying. I think their D lineman, I think maybe has between seven and nine sacks. I forget what. But if he's going to be rushing on those third and long plays and they get them in those types of situations, we've seen what happens every single time. That's why they have to throw the ball early and often and get themselves into positions of set. That's what the whole thing was in the first half. How many, like, second and ones did they have where they didn't even have to get to third down? And then the whole playbook is open. You throw on first down, you get eight or nine yards, and then all of a sudden you bring in the big boys on second and one, and then you can go play action because you have another down to get a yard. And, and Iowa has – they have improved on their third and shorts as the season has gone on. I'll give them credit for that. And so when you have second and short and you don't pick it up, you can get the third and short and have confidence in it. That was the whole thing in the first half is putting themselves in manageable, very, very manageable second and third down plays. If they do that against Illinois, they shouldn't have a problem winning this game. The Minnesota game plan will work against Illinois. If you go up 20, you put up 20 points in the first half and you hold Illinois to not being able to score any points, you can be as conservative as you want in the second half. Yep. Yeah. Because they're looking sure. to score Brandon off their Peters defense. Peters is not going to beat you in the second half. I know it's Jerry's boy and he <laughs> loves Brandon Peters, but if Iowa gets out to a lead and they can start rushing the passer with AJ and Chauncey, Brandon Peters is not capable of going in there and winning. Yes, I understand they beat Michigan State, but that was predicated on the defense getting two huge plays, one for a touchdown and putting them in great positions that entire second half. Correct. The defense is looking to score for their team for them to win, and that's what's happening on this four-game winning streak for Illinois. Yep. So what's it going to take for you to take anything away from this game against Illinois? Jerry, we'll start with you. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Four consistent quarters of decent offense. Not great. I'm not asking for amazing. I'm not asking for the, the reintroduction of the Oregon offense under Chip Kelly. I'm asking for what we saw in the first half against Minnesota stretched out in an entire four quarters. That's it. The defense, I already know they're going to do just fine. But the offense needs to score more than 26 points, limit the turnovers, while also being an offense. I totally agree. Champ, what do you need to take away see to take away from this game against Illinois? 
I love the the four quarters idea, but hell, give me three quarters of great offense and then just sit the fucking guys in the fourth quarter. We won't even need them. If you put together three great quarters offensively and you let your defense do your thing, I was going to be up by three scores going into the fourth quarter and we can get some seniors, you know, the unknown guys that we don't even know about, get them in the game, get some backups in there, and they're not going to have to worry or sweat this game. That's a big thing. They need to come out and they need to take it to Illinois. I understand Illinois is on a four-game winning streak. They're playing great. But for me to take any solace and be happy after this win, after this game, they need to take it to Illinois and win by three scores. I will say to go along with that, it'll be interesting to see what Iowa chooses to do with the four-game schedule thing for redshirts. Because if they can jump up to a three-touchdown lead, it's time to start putting some of those kids in they're going to be around next year. The Big Ten's off the table. There's going to be bowl prep. It's going to be time, like they kind of did last year against Mississippi State, it's going to be time to start inserting some of those guys and letting some of the seniors and guys that are graduating that maybe aren't good enough but only played because of their eligibility status is running out. It's time to start inserting some of those kids and let them get some really valuable game experience. Totally agree. I think Kirk tipped his hand a little bit this week on in terms of, of known guys who are going to keep their red shirts if if injuries allow. But to your point, the the other guys who we don't get to see at all, definitely time for them to get some get some playing time. All right, guys, should we make some picks to wrap the show this week? Let's make Let's picks. Let's do it. All right. Let's start with Michigan State going to Rutgers. Michigan State's a twenty and a half point favorite. Jerry, who you got? Uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take Michigan State all the way. <laughs> Champ, what about you? I don't why another week where Michigan State is getting too many points. Give me Rutgers. No, are you out last, of your mind? They did they not? They easily covered last week against Ohio State, and I think they're going to cover it. Michigan State is playing so shitty right now that I think even Rutgers may even keep this game within a score. So I'd give me the twenty and a half. Wrong. I'm with Champ. I'm with Champ. I'm taking a score. Taking Rutgers. Yeah, they might lose by seven. They might lose I by mean, fourteen, but I still don't. cover. And I'm win. Yeah, I might win a million dollars this weekend. And we still cover. All right, uh, Michigan's going to Indiana. Michigan's a nine and a half point favorite. Whew. Champ, who you got? I got uh, the Wolverines. They're playing great right now. Another nice win last week. I think they're going to go in there and win by two touchdowns. All right, Jerry, what about you? I'm going to take the Hoosiers. The only reason that Michigan's playing well is because they decided to not play the offense that they were trying to run at the beginning of the season. But I think Indiana's a really solid football team. I think they'll keep it close. I think that's the one that stays within seven points. I'm with you, Jerry. I'm taking Indiana again. I win Indiana still on the table. All right, let's go to Maryland. Nebraska's going to Maryland. Nebraska's a road four-and-a-half-point favorite. Jer, who you got? I'm taking Nebraska. I've lost all faith in Maryland. They are a hodgepodge <laughs> of garbage right now. Champ, what about you? You know what I got? Don't watch this game. I'm not <laughs> going to make a pick on it because it's so repulsive I couldn't care less. Just don't even watch it. All right, I'm going to take Maryland because – but I'm with Champ. Don't watch this game. Don't bet on this game. Don't waste your time with this game. Purdue's going to Madison. Wisconsin's a 25-point favorite – Versus the Boilermakers, champ, who you got? 
I got Wisconsin. I know that's a lot of points, but they're going to run all over Purdue. I mean, we wa- we've watched Purdue get destroyed defensively a lot this year, and I think it's going to be no different this week. Everyone's like, oh, this could be a trap game for Wisconsin going in next week against Minnesota. I don't see it. I think they take care of business. They even get to rest some guys, you know, in the second half, and they get prepared to go to Minnesota for a chance at the Big Ten Championship. All right, Jay, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Champ. I think Purdue's about ready to kind of bring this season to an end. Uh, I'm going to take Wisconsin in the points. They have everything to continuously play for, and why not just keep Jonathan Taylor running? I'm going to take Purdue. And the reason because I'm not impressed with Wisconsin's tackling, Wisconsin's defense versus Nebraska. Purdue lives by the big play. They hit in a couple big plays to keep it under 25 points. But I'll take Purdue. Let's get to some more relevant games to the rest of the Big Ten West here. Minnesota trying to clinch up the Big Ten West going to Northwestern. Minnesota's a 13.5-point favorite versus Northwestern. Jared, who are you taking? Uh, I think I'm going to take the Kitty Cats here. I think this is another little trap game for Minnesota. I think Pat Fitzgerald's feeling really good after his 45-6 victory over the shittiest college football team (laughs) in all of the land. So I'm going to take Northwestern here in a surprising win outright. An outright win? Wow. Jerry, have you been tipping the NyQuil tonight or what? (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? Northwestern isn't going to come close to winning this game. I don't care if Tanner Morgan plays or not. He most likely will. But even if he doesn't, they're going to cover. Northwestern is garbage. They didn't even cover last week against UMass. It was a push. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with Champ. Iowa beat Minnesota, but I was still very impressed with Minnesota last week versus, versus Iowa. They're still very impressed versus Penn State. They rolled. This, who, this is too who low. That, who in that Northwestern secondary is going to guard these receivers? Are you kidding me? Outright win. I'll give you a chance to change that pick because that was moronic. <laughs> Not changing it. All right. Well, at the same time, Jerry won't be watching this game because he's going to be at this next game. Penn State going to Ohio State. Ohio State's an 18.5-point favorite. Champ, who are you taking? I think Penn State's going to keep this game close. I think they're going to – Ohio State may run away in the second half, but I like Penn State to keep this close. So give me the Nittany Lions. I know Ohio State is pretty much covered every week except for last week when they literally just didn't even play guys the whole second half. But I I like Penn State to keep it close. This – the whole thing this week with the quarterback and the death threats and all this ridiculousness, I think it – they're going to put it behind them. They're going to play a great game, and they're going to keep it close but lose by a touchdown, I think. Okay, Jer, game day, big noon Saturday, and the Big Ten Network tailgate will all be joining you in Columbus. Who's your pick for this game? I want this to be as close as humanly possible. I wouldn't mind if it goes into overtime a couple times because that's what I'm expecting. I think Penn State's going to come in and show out. I think ultimately they do lose by maybe a field goal, two seven points like Champ said, but I think Penn State's going to be able to cover this. This is going to be the, one of the most exciting games in all the Big Ten this year. Totally agree. But I think Penn State keeps it close. Ohio State wins. Penn State keeps it under 18 and a half points. All right, and the last game, Illinois comes to Iowa for Senior Day. Iowa's a 15 and a half point favorite. Who's your pick and what's the score? Jer, kick things off. That is one and a half points too much for me to take that as an actual bet. Iowa's going to win this game. 
I am very concerned it's trappy. I'm concerned that Lovey Smith has his magic in that beard working for them. I hate the fact that this team is built just like the Bears used to be, where they're just hoping and praying that they could cause turnovers when you get those two to three chances. That also worries me that Iowa is just going to go into a turtle shell and that when I come home and watch this thing on Sunday night that I'm just going to be pissed off that they went back and reverted back to their old ways. But I will take the Hawkeyes to win. I'm going to say uh, 24 to 17. Okay. And I'm going to take – or Champ, what's your pick? Uh, I think I was going to cover this week. I think they're going to go in there. I think they're going to win 38 to 13. I think I was going to play a great offensive game this week. And I don't understand all this trap talk. Like, oh, this is a trap game for Nebraska. You want me to explain Illinois, it to you? Illinois is better than Nebraska, so it shouldn't be a trap game. Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska that doesn't matter. Trash. I understand it's a rivalry game next week and blah, blah, blah. But there is going to be no trapping about it. It's senior day at Kinnick. Last home game of the year, I was going to shut up all these Illinois lovers, put them back in their place. 38-13, Hawkeye win. Okay, I'm going to take the Hawkeyes. I'm going to say they cover. They're not going to get your magical 26-point total yet. Nope. But 24-7 to is my prediction. Iowa continues to do a little bit on offense and encourage a little bit of hope for the fan base. But that defense is just too good for Brandon Peters to – get anything going offensively, Iowa wins 24-7. to Guys, anything else to wrap the show this week? I forgot that Jared was going to the shoe. That's going to be fun, bro. You're going to enjoy that. That's going to be a nice little experience I'm, for you. I'm very excited to experience this. I'm going in as just a neutral, neutral football fan, so I have no rooting interest. I'm just going to be able to enjoy. Nobody's going to see me in Iowa gear, so I won't be hassled. Yeah, please. I was going to say, don't be one of those dipshits <laughs> that like wears another team's stuff that isn't even playing. Absolutely those not. Are like no, the no. Worst kind of I mean, do you really think I would do something like that? Martin probably will no, hook me up with I Ohio know. State gear. I'll probably wear it just to support him and his uh, yeah. ventures as a workman over there. But yeah, I'm excited to see the shoe. This will be the first time I've actually getting over there. Um, I've heard some horror stories, so I'll see if those are true or not. And I'm happy to report back. The only other thing I have to really say is for everybody that's a little panicky about the future of this Iowa program, go and look at those recruiting classes that DC mentioned at the start of the show. There is some really great tight end depth coming in. There's a lot of great athletes, tons of three and four stars. So Iowa isn't just going to be developing just these one-star no-name guys. They have a lot of actual talent coming in. And I think that if you're having troubles seeing the future as bright, you need to go and look at those things. Amen, Jer. All right. For Champ, for Jer, I'm DC. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cray, at Shy People Champ, and at Jerry Sherwin. Champ and I will come with you guys at a post game show after the Illinois game since Jerry will be at the Horseshoe scouting out for our trip next year, potentially. Uh, oh, we're going. But uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week as a threesome. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go seniors. Ben Simmons hit a three tonight. Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.